A pregnant woman and her unborn child are killed and a Rockingham teenager is arrested. There have been warrants issued for four people involved in the killing of a man whose final moments were live-streamed on Facebook. And the unsolved Cape Fear Mysteries series continues with the latest on a case that dates back 30 years. Those stories and more on Episode 11 of Crime Time for Friday, April 13th on FayObserver.com. Featuring Fayetteville Observer Police and crime reporter Nancy McClary. I'm Sonny Jones. On the podcast, we'll look at issues involving crime, courts, and public safety. Highlighting stories in the news and hearing from those involved. And a reminder, anyone we discuss who has been charged with a crime is presumed innocent until found guilty in a court of law. Let's get started. On Sunday, April 8th, a pregnant woman was found dead in a car several feet past a dead-end cul-de-sac near Pool Park in Southern Pines. On Friday, April 13th, an arrest was made in the death of the Sanford teenager and her unborn child. Nancy, bring us up to date on this story. Well, 18-year-old Brian Lovon Little of Rockingham is charged with first-degree murder and murder of an unborn child by Southern Pines Police. He's accused of killing 18-year-old Iona Clarice Barrett and her unborn baby. Little is believed to be the father of Barrett's child, police said at a news conference Friday afternoon. They disclosed that Barrett, who was nine months pregnant, died from a single gunshot wound to the head. And anyone who may have additional information related to this investigation is asked to contact the Southern Pines Police Department at 910-692-7031 or the crime tip line over there at 910-693-4110. You know, our next story, it's a story difficult to fathom. A man was shot outside a motel on Cedar Creek Road in January 2017. And his 27-year-old Calvin Blackshire Jr. lay dying in the parking lot. An onlooker live-streamed his last breaths on Facebook. Last week, four people wanted in the homicide were issued warrants for their arrest. One, Yoshika West, has turned herself in. She's been charged with first-degree murder, robbery with a dangerous weapon, and conspiracy. Calvin Blackshire Jr. was found about 11.45 p.m. in the parking lot of Motel 6 on Cedar Creek Road. Uh, The four people who were charged are accused of stealing Blackshire's Air Jordan shoes and a cell phone. I spoke with Calvin Blackshire's mother after the warrants were issued. She called the the issuance of the warrants uh, bittersweet, saying it won't bring her son back. Pamela Blackshire said she will visit her son's grave and place flowers to celebrate his life, but she and her husband, Calvin Blackshire Sr., will be dealing with their son's death for the rest of their lives. And others charged, according to the warrants, are Adam Bradley Scott Golden, who is an inmate at Pasquotank Correctional Institution in Elizabeth City, Elvin Freeman Morrison of Hope Mills, and Iona Deja Shamika Thomas of Fayetteville. Police are still searching for Morrison and Thomas, and they are urging both to turn themselves in. Anyone with knowledge of their whereabouts is asked to call Detective J.D. Hall at 729-2934 or Crime Stoppers at Fay 
I'm sorry, Crime Stoppers at 483 TIPS. That's 8477. Anonymous tips can be submitted online at fayncrimestoppers.org or at p3tips.com. And that is a, a truly an amazing story, Nancy, mainly live streaming the death. And have they ever found out who it was that, uh, that was uh, doing the live streaming on Facebook? I spoke with the Blackshires back in January um, on the anniversary of their son's death, and I am told that they know who it is. It's somebody who lives over in Rayford. Okay. Well, that that I mean, it's, it's sad enough of of the uh, murder to begin with, and then the fact somebody would sit there and live stream it. And if memory serves correct, they did not call nine one one to to even let them know uh, they did it was not. going on. Let's move on. You know, the Unsolved Cape Fear mystery series you have been writing this year, very interesting stories, Nancy. Some of these cases date back decades and show that although the cases may be out of the public eye, law enforcement never quits trying to solve these cases. I hope people have been reading those stories either in the newspaper or online at fayobserver.com. I know a lot of work has gone into each article. The latest story in the series was about Rebecca Ann Thompson who was last seen alive around midnight on September 26, 1987, when she left a bar on Gillespie Street with two people. Several hours later, she was found near woods off Greensboro Street, a dirt path that runs parallel to the CSX rail tracks near Hubbard Street. Thompson, who was 18, had been shot in the head. She died at the hospital. Give us a little background on this case before we hear from Fayetteville Police Detective Daniel Johnson. Rebecca Thompson was a known prostitute and drug user, police have told me. And when she was last seen leaving what was then called Joe's Tavern, and it was on Gillespie Street, right before you get maybe to the sit-go, right there at Mm -hmm. Campbell Avenue. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I'm told it was quite quite the place to go. Um, But anyway, that was when she was last seen, as you have said, she died several days later after she was found um, at Highsmith Rainey Hospital, and she's buried in Lafayette Memorial Park and Mausoleum on Ramsey Street. Well, Nancy, let's hear from Detective Daniel Johnson about the search for the killer of Rebecca Ann Thompson and, and still working on the case after all these years. <clears throat> well, we consider uh, all victims equal here, uh, whether they're um, completely innocent or they were an act of random violence or they uh, chose to live in the criminal lifestyle, um, they still deserve the same amount of uh, passion and justice to try to get the case solved. Um, And also, we want our community safe. This happened in 1987. I believe the uh, killer is still on these streets of Fayetteville. so that's, that's our goal, was to make our community safer here and bring justice to a family, regardless of their lifestyle. Could the killer still be out there? That 30-year mark, that's a, that's a heavy hump, and that's one thing that you worry about uh, as a suspect is, is either relocated or is now deceased, along with witnesses um, relocated or, or being deceased. Um, there is several people of interest in this case that are still alive, and still local to this area, I can tell you that. Um, but regardless, if we do um, uncover a, uh, if we get enough evidence to the point to someone in this case, and we find out that, that person is deceased, mm-hmm. then we still um, have are responsible for for closing out this case um, the right way. Um, 
one, we don't want to pin something on someone uh, that ruins their reputation, whether they're living um, or, or deceased. Right. So, but we still have a responsibility to close this case out properly, whether the suspect is, is deceased or not. But that does make it difficult, yes. Forensic technology has come a long way since 1987, and it may be possible for evidence to be tested using new methods, such as identifying DNA material on clothing or or belongings. However, detectives are still trying to locate the evidence. Apparently, the department was much smaller in 1987, and it was apparently commonplace to store evidence and they didn't have a place for it so it was stored at different buildings so they're trying to to locate that and i understand also there were some over the years i mean we're talking about almost 31 years uh weather related issues i think there's a some flooding going on at some that's point, right that's right uh, there was and, a, at some point um in one of the buildings or or whatever but yes there has been a fire and a flood, according to Sergeant Pedro Orellano. Um, so I, I don't know what's going to be the outcome. Well, if you have information about this case, call Fayetteville Police Detective Daniel Johnson at 433-1529 or Crime Stoppers, as we've mentioned, at 483-TIPS, 483-8477. From the blotter, our next story is a case of well, if at first you succeed, then keep doing it. Edwin LaShawn, Edward LaShawn Fields of Fable has been accused of breaking into the same convenience store 20 times over a two-month period. Yes, I said 20. Yes. Actually, I went back and looked, and it occurred over a month wow. period. Uh, but the break-ins were at the Kangaroo store at 1764 Ireland Drive, and we were, excuse me, and were reported between February 17th and March 18th, some occurring within days of each other, according to arrest warrants. Each time, Fields took cash in amounts ranging from twenty dollars up to maybe a hundred and eighty dollars. Oh wow! So, so how, how how did the the law finally catch up with him? I, well, I, I guess number 21 didn't work out too well, perhaps. Well, I learned this afternoon that Fields was an acquaintance of a clerk who worked there or a regular customer at the store. And at night, he would come in and help clean up. He would mop the the floor of the store. And this is according to what uh, Fayetteville Police Spokeswoman Officer Asia Cannon told me. But every time the clerk went outside, Mr. Fields would go behind the counter and take money from the cash register or the safe, which... I don't know, and she didn't either, how he gained access to the to the safe. But one once store employees figured out what was happening, they went back and checked surveillance video, which captured Mr. Fields taking the money. And sure enough, he was busted. There you go. Well, you know, should have I guess should have stopped at twenty and <laughs> left it alone. But uh, I guess uh, couldn't do it. Uh, another story, a contracted painter, 19-year-old Jason Alexander Goad of Winston-Salem, who was working at the CVS store in Hope Mills. He's been charged with stealing drugs from the pharmacy. Well, this is yet another type of inside job of sorts. Um, while Mr. Goad was working at the store, he allegedly, while he was 
on his work time, um, helped himself to 151 Xanax pills, 15 doses of Valium, and an unidentified, unidentified number of oxycodone pills, according to arrest warrants. The total value of the drugs was put at $1,253. And finally, from the blotter, really a, a more serious uh, topic, Spring Lake Steve Bullard, a Bullock is accused of defrauding a Fayetteville woman out of more than $34,000 after promising to do work and not completing it. You know, Nancy, it's another example of how you have to be careful when hiring someone to do work around your house or business. Yes, 99% of the folks are honest, hardworking, and, and, and I do believe that. Uh, but sometimes, well, we see what happened here. Well, Mr. Bullock is accused of representing himself as a licensed general contractor when he was not. And he solicited and performed work under false pretense, the arrest warrant said. Bullock's work was, quote, subpar, according to the warrant, and outside the scope of what he was legally permitted and failed to complete the work for which he was paid. And what was he being paid for? They did not say what kind of work he was doing, but let me add this, if I might, Sonny. Okay. Um, I am actually working on a story for uh, that I got this afternoon where a Pender County man who was doing work for a Hope Mills man um, took his money, and he and his family went to Disney World for a two-week vacation. Yeah, that I mean, it really is sad. Again, you have to be very careful, and you have to know who you're dealing with. And 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 as I said, I mean, 99% of the folks, hardworking, will do the job and do the best they can. But it, ju- it just takes that one percent, and that's uh, we'll, we'll see how all this turns out. But it is sad indeed that people are able to get away with this. And as we get ready to wrap it up here, Nancy, a Fayetteville woman is accused of holding another woman against her will and forcing her to work as a prostitute and keeping the profits, according to arrest warrants in the Cumberland County Magistrate's Office. Candace Grantham of Lyon Road has been charged with human trafficking, first-degree kidnapping, keeping a place for prostitution, promoting prostitution, first-degree forcible rape, first-degree forced sex offense, malicious castration, and conspiracy, according to the warrants. Um, Grant Grantham is accused of holding the victim and forcing her to have sex with men for 50 or $100, and then she would allegedly keep the money. And among other allegations, Grantham is believed to have raped the woman and caused a permanent injury to her, which resulted in the malicious castration charge. The charges were filed as the result of a search warrant that was executed at a residence on the 3700 block of Cumberland Road. It's not clear whether Grantham lived at the residence. Um, if we might, one more item. Okay, um, please I'd, do. I'd just like to mention, but this is another cold case that dated back to 2008. And this week, Jonathan Sherrod Maddox, um, who lives in Spring Lake, was arrested and charged with what had to be, a, uh, it was a totally brutal um, event. Uh, he and two others, I believe, were accused of breaking into a home in the Briar, Briarwood Apartments. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and it's believed that they chose this particular apartment because it was on the first floor. And the window, there was, I mean, the back of it, it was at the back. 
but they broke into this house and the couple who was in they were asleep and apparently it just got it just went from bad to worse um they forced the woman into another room at gunpoint and there she was um she was raped and she was forced to perform sex acts on the men um and it i just can't fathom anything like that um they they are accused of taking electronics valued at a little over four thousand dollars and mr maddox is um is charged with multiple counts of conspiracy uh, first degree rape first degree burglary robbery with a dangerous weapon two counts of conspiracy to first degree rape and another count of conspiring, I believe two counts of conspiring for robbery with a deadly weapon. Um, his bail, I can't add it off the top of my head right here, but I believe it's somewhere around $400,000. Well, that, that should take care of that. Really, those, those stories are, are so scary to hear about, uh, but they do happen out there, and you need to be careful. But again, it just proves that... It never goes away from whoever's investigating it. That's it for edition 11 of Crime Time for Friday, April 13th. If you enjoyed it, feel free to spread the word about this weekly podcast on FayeObserver.com. And if you did not enjoy it, well, tell your friends to give it a listen anyway. They might like it. How about that? Also, join Jacqueline Shambaugh and me for the 910 Preps podcast. It's posted Monday nights. We talk about high school sports in Cumberland County and the Cape Fear region. We welcome your comments and suggestions for crime time. You can reach Nancy McCleary by email at nmccleary at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at F-O underscore McCleary. You can reach me, Sonny Jones, by email at sjones at fayobserver.com or on Twitter at F-O Sonny Jones. Again, thanks so much for listening. Hope you'll tune in next time for the next edition of Crime Time.